We have an ordination today, but I'm going to do the word first. And then at the end of the service, we're going to do an ordination ceremony for four individuals that are being ordained for the ministry today. And those are always very special, very special days for me because it's a holy thing before God. In Acts chapter 13, they laid hands on them and commissioned them to the ministry, and it's a holy thing. And we're going to do that at the end. Um, and, uh, of course, we understand that some people have work and they have to leave right at 12 or 12.10, but uh, you do that if you need to. But let's just talk about the Word a little bit, and then we're going we're gonna to get into the ordination after that. Amen. Father, I thank you as we talk about the Heavenly Vision Part 3 today. I thank you for every single person that has taken the time out of their schedule to put you first. This is the first day of the, of the week. This is the first part of the first day, and we have tithed our time because you are worthy of the first of everything. You said to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his way of doing things, and be right about it. And you will add all those things that we need unto us. So I thank you for adding and multiplication. We just read that you multiply certain things. And we also know that Matthew 6 says you add certain things. But I thank you that both adding and multiplication is our portion. And I thank you for every precious one here. Lord, let, let the words today that you've instructed me and mandated me to share, let, let, let nuggets come out, let revelation come out, let truth come out. Lord, be, let my tongue be that of a ready writer, write upon the hearts of the people. Use me as a simple, very simple instrument of writing in your hand. And you write upon their hearts through the words that the anointing of the Holy Spirit instructs me to speak. That their hearts would be filled with the word and faith. Because when revelation comes, faith comes. And when faith comes, victory comes. Because this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So Father, we thank you. We yield to you, Holy Spirit. Today is a great day. This is the day that the Lord Jesus Christ has made. And I will rejoice and be glad in it. So we thank you for the anointing to help. I yield to it. And I thank you. It's easy for the people to understand and easy for them to listen to and easy for me to deliver. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I want to mention a few things in light of vision and, and those types of things. I, I want to, uh, to share with you some things, particularly about the Philippines, but not only about the Philippines, about all the works. Um, that I just felt the Lord wanted me to talk. Today's an ordination Sunday, and so I feel it's especially important on today's service to talk about some of these things. And, uh, and just, just wanted to let you know something very unusual happened this week. And um, we have been believing God to go to the Philippines. And because of the country has been the, one of the strictest countries on the planet, it's even stricter than Israel in some ways, which, which is really unusual because Israel's very strict. But the Philippines wouldn't let anybody in without testing in the, in the airport. You have to have a test before you get on the plane, but then you have to test again in the airport. And then you have to wait up to seven days. And then Canada was, was 10 days in a government mandated hotel, uh, which you don't know what kind of hotel you're going to get. For that length of time, one lady told Mary Chris that she, they mandated her in a hotel that didn't have any windows. And she couldn't even go outside. She couldn't see the sun. She couldn't do anything for days on end. She said, I almost went crazy. And so, and, and so Canadians were 10, it used to be 14, then they loaded to 10 days, mandatory. Doesn't matter if you're vaccinated or not, mandatory. Doesn't matter if you're a negative COVID test when you go on the plate, mandatory. And, 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 and that didn't, it didn't matter whether your test at the airport was negative, you still have to quarantine. <laughs> so I said, well, Lord, you told me, put feet on the soil in 2022, but I'm not going to spend 10 days of my trip in a hotel that I don't even know what it's going to look like. 
And then by the time I'm out, I've got, what, 48 hours before I have to get back on the plane? I mean, I'll do it if you tell me to do it, but I don't feel that that's a good use of my time. I wouldn't be able to pray with the Ramoses. I wouldn't be able to do the purpose of the trip. So I just pushed it off till the end of November. I said, let's give it as long as we can for them to adjust their rules, because eventually rules hopefully will adjust. But the Lord had said to me last fall, I want you to go in February. And I said, okay, Father, I'll go in February, but I can't change certain things. So he, let, he didn't say anything more to me, and I put it on the calendar for November. But God also told Pastor Noel, I want you to go in February with Pastor Craig. And he said, but Lord, because he's Filipino, he knows the rules. He said, we can't go. And God didn't say anything more to him. But then the anointing came on him in Holy Ghost meetings. Pastor Nancy said, Pastor Noel, come up here. Do whatever's in your heart. And he started to pray under a strong anointing and the words out of the, from the Holy Ghost by the gift of prophecy came out of him that, Lord, you'll open doors that no man or government can shut and you'll close doors that no one can open. And he started to pray that out. Now, he didn't tell me until this week when I spoke to him, he said, when I was praying that, I was praying for the ministries that were represented in the room. I was praying for our nation, America, and some other places in the world. But he said, I was specifically thinking and praying and releasing faith for the Philippines because I knew what God had said and I know it's impossible. And there's no indications that anything would change. Well, on Thursday today, every, this last week, everything was the same. But on Friday morning, Mary Chris calls me laughing and she says, Pastor, you won't believe it, but they have opened the entire country. No more testing, no more quarantines. It went from extreme to nothing overnight. And I called Pastor Ramos. He hadn't heard that yet. And, uh, and he said, he said, my God, it worked. My God, the anointing worked. The anointing came on me to say that doors that no government can close would open. And he said, I was, I was releasing faith for that nation specifically, as well as, of course, a lot of other things. And God, I don't know how that happened, but it's like miraculous. And we've called, I, I almost didn't believe it at first. So I said to the staff, call the consulate down in Toronto. I want them to confirm it. Then call the airline. I want them to confirm it. And they were all confirmed. So I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? It's a stupid question. What do you want me to do? And he said, I told you to go in February. Now, I don't know why February is so important to him. I have no clue. But I called Pastor Ramos. I said, I don't know. This is short notice, but I think we need to go in February because that was what God said. And, and this thing has happened and this miraculous occurrence has happened. And he goes, I'm ready. I'm packed. Let's go. Where are we going? Come on, let's do it. God said it. We got to obey. If we don't go when God says, well, there's something that we'll miss. I don't know what it is. There's something that we'll miss. He don't always tell you what you're going to miss. Just obey what he tells you to do. If he says, don't take that job, don't look at the salary on it. Don't look at the convenience location to your house. Don't look at how nice you think your employer is going to be. Because there's a reason why he said no, and he don't always tell us why. He just wants us to obey. Sometimes we find out later, sometimes we don't. We just got to get into the habit of obeying. So we spend time with this short. I mean, the, the flights are not always the best flights. You know, you don't always get the direct flights and everything you want. But anyway, so we, we've, we've booked those tickets. <laughs> Praise God. We've booked the tickets for the, for the Ramoses and for the Henrys and for myself, and we're, and we're going to the Philippines in, in February 21st to March 5th, and I'm going to miss one Sunday, but, but we're only missing one Sunday, so don't get mad at me. We're on a mission and a mandate with God. To not, we're, not, we're not going to resorts. We're not going to fun. We're not going to shows. We're going to seek God. We're going to fast and pray for part of it. I'm not fasting the whole thing. Are you crazy? Jesus didn't tell me to do that. 
Apparently, the best, apparently, well, let's we'll see you prove it, Mary Chris, but apparently the best food in the world is there, but I think she's skewed in her opinion because she is from there. But anyway, we'll do some, some eating, but there's going to be fasting and praying and seeking God every day while we're there and preaching and ministering to people and, and going around different places. So, but, but I'm, I'm saying that to say there's a reason why I'm saying that, okay? Because this is, this is exciting to me how God is moving and how he's working. It's very exciting to me how he's moving, how he's working. And, uh, you know, I gave you all a, 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 a board, a vision board on the first, say, I think it was the 2nd of January, first Sunday of the year, and you have that on there. And, and on there is a, a precious couple that I love very deeply, the Popes, Miracle and James Pope, and they were the second couple that were going with us. But recently, I, I started sensing something. I didn't say anything. I just prayed. Sometimes I, I sense things, but I don't know what it means. But they came to me last week, and they said, Pastor, we just don't feel this is the right time for us to be moving to the Philippines and to be doing the flag responsibility. It's a lot of responsibilities, on the, a lot of responsibilities on the flag ministries. And, uh, and I just want what God wants. I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to force anybody. I don't want to pressure anybody. I just want what God wants. And, when people, and if people tell me I'm not ready for this, I don't feel that this maybe is the right direction for me to go at this time, my job is to respect that Amen. and to not make them feel bad or anything like that because, because you know, God, God said certain things to me, but everybody has to work within their measure of faith at the timing that they're in in their life. And that doesn't mean that things can't happen in the future. But I appreciated them being spiritual enough to recognize, I think we're, we're out of the timing a little bit. We need to slow down. And I respect that. And so they've stepped down, that their, their decision, I didn't ask them to do that, but they've asked to step down from flag and to step down from that Philippine responsibility until God can show them more what their future holds. And we're in complete agreement with that. And so, but, so I'm only saying that public, I don't normally say things like that, but when you have something on everybody's fridge and they're praying and there's photographs on the fridge, it would be inappropriate as a pastor for me to let people pray at length for, for people that the plans have changed. The instruction, not necessarily to me, but the instruction to them has changed. And so we love them. No, there's no problem. As far as I'm concerned, everything's fine. But I just want them to find the place where God has for them. And whether that's flag or not, just fulfill the call of God because there's a fivefold call on their lives. And I don't want the wrong people being in a place like the Philippines or in a place like Liberia or in a place like any of these places. Because uh, if, if, if not that people are wrong people, but if they're not in the right timing or if they're not the assigned one. You know, sometimes Reverend Greg, the Lord shows me something and then I realize after it's all, the dust is all settled, that it wasn't what I, what I sensed, what I felt, what I heard. I maybe misinterpreted a little bit because the person wasn't gonna do the thing I thought they were gonna do, but they still had a part in the role, but my mind spun it out a certain way that I thought this is what it means. I think all of us have done that. I think this is what it means and so we run with that. And then as time passes and more clarity comes, we realize, no, they have a role, but it didn't mean that. It means this. I can't tell you how many times that's happened. And so I think that's what's happened in this situation because people have roles, but not all the roles look the same or are the same. And we just respect when people want to slow down a little bit and take their time. Okay. And so there's, there's nothing negative about that, but because we're moving forward, you see, it was very important that that action, if, if that's what the Holy Ghost was authoring in their hearts. It's very important that that happened before this thing goes where we're going. And it's very, and that happened on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, you know, the Lord said to me, I want you to meet with the Henrys because, because, because of that decision, there's only one family going. And so I want you to talk and have your first official Philippine missionary flag meeting with that family. 
And so we did that and we prayed and we talked and we planned out a lot of natural things as well as spiritual things. And then the very next day, the country opens. And then the very next day, we booked the airline tickets and the Ramoses are going. And so things are moving very quickly. But at God's, because I'm not comfortable with quick, quick, quick. I like to just, let me stick it on the calendar for a few months just there. And I get comfortable with it. Get not, I like that. That looks nice to me. And then when I'm ready, I'll start the long process of researching the best flights, the cheapest flights, this, that, whatever. So we're good students. I like time. I don't like to rush. I'm like passing answer that way. I don't like to rush. Give me time. But in some, kind, some cases, God. God says, you don't have the luxury of time if you're going to be in my perfect will. So either get out of my perfect will into my permissive so that you feel better or move your behind, for lack of a better word, and, 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 and you're not always going to feel everything's totally in control, but I need certain things at certain times because God's got things planned. My God. And so I'm just letting you know that that is moving ahead. And we're ordaining this, and that's, I think it's appropriate to talk about it today specifically because we're ordaining this Filipino couple. You're not Filipino, but I'm going to call it to you anyway, brother. Um, in fact, you don't look anything like a Filipino couple. Um, but anyway, the irony is that, is that Nigel is from, lived many years in Japan. Can you believe it? And he speaks some Japanese. Can you believe it? Anyway. Praise God. Isn't it amazing how God sends people all over the world? I just love it. I just love it. So because we're ordaining them and this, all this has just happened and, 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 the, and the plan of God is coming together. Amen. I just want the plan of God. I don't want to hurt anybody. I'm not against it. I just want people to find their place and do what God's asked them to do. You know, congregation members have to find their place. You've got to find the job he wants. You've got to find the ministry of helps he wants. You've got to find what you're supposed to do financially. You've got to find your assignment or you'll never be happy. You'll always feel antsy when you find your assignment in the kingdom and you're doing it. There's a joy and there's a satisfaction that comes that you can't replace with any other thing. No vacation can fill it. No, no relationship can fill it when you're in the right place. And so we're just, we're just thanking God that, that the popes are finding the right place because God's got a great call on their life and they will succeed. Amen. And we love them and bless them. But, uh, but I'm grateful that God is showing his plan for the right people. Because this, this, just like, just like this, these two wonderful, you know, by the way, just stand up, Pastor Matthew. Look how, look how handsome he is. Look how, look how thin he is. My God, he's showing me up again. Sit down. My God, we don't want to look at you anymore. Praise God. But he had a near-death experience a little while ago. He almost died. The devil attacked, trying to destroy the plan of God for Liberia. Because he is an integral, integral part. But God restored him and healed him and delivered him from the jaws of death. And, and, and we are moving, Pastor Matthew, all full steam ahead for the plan of God for that nation. And what I'm trying to say to you, congregation, you're an apostolic church, whether you like it or not, you are. I know, and if God planted you here, but you didn't know, let's see, say he planted you here after March when Randy came at the beginning of COVID. You said, but Lord, I didn't sign up to be an apostolic church. I signed up to be a nice, sweet church. And then you, you snookered me and you had that prophet come and say some things about this apostolic church. But that wasn't what I signed up for. Well, I just want you to know, God already knew it was coming and uh, he already knew you'd be here when it was coming and he just didn't see fit to tell you in advance. But that doesn't mean that anything's wrong or anything needs to change or you need to find a, uproot yourself where God plants you. He already saw in his foreknowledge the whole plan. We're an apostolic church. I'm not saying that pridefully, but God's, I didn't ask for it. I didn't even want it, but God said, I've got something more for you to do. And it's not just in this nation, it's in other nations. 
And so what I'm trying to say is this church home base has to be strong. Our offerings and tithes, our budget has to be strong. Our unity has to be strong. Our attendance has to be strong. Our prayer times have to be strong. Inviting friends, growing this work has to be, because if the home is strong, all the others, that life flows out to all these other, what we call field works located around the globe, F-L-A-G, flag. All of these things are strong if the home is strong. Praise God. So I'm encouraging you to stay strong with me. Because it's not just about Toronto and the Glory Center, although it is. It's about other places that need to hear. And you're going to see what you don't realize. You say, oh, I didn't sign up to be an apostolic church. But what you don't know is that you're going to have rewards in heaven that certain other churches don't have. I'm I'm serious. You're going to get there and there's going to be people from Liberia and Ghana and Ivory Coast and other nations that he goes. And they're going to say, thank you. And you're going to say, who are you? I'm from Liberia. I don't know you. Oh, yes, you do. Because you supplied Pastor Matthew to come and because he came, my life, my family, my village was totally changed. And because of you, I'm here today in heaven with Jesus and I want to thank you. And you're going to say, thank God I was a part of an apostolic church. And it's not just Canadians coming to me, it's Liberians and Dominicans and and, and Filipinos coming to me. And praise God and Canadians and Cape Bretoners, if that's what they're called. Cape, is that what they're called, Reverend Dan? Cape Bretoners, Invernessers. (laughs) And it's not just Inverness, because there's a whole region that we're going to touch. Praise God. And there's six Native Indian reserves real close to where they're moving. And and, and we're going to get grants from the government and just take their money, praise God, and sow into those Native Indian and preach the gospel and even plant churches in those Native Indian reserves. And just, we're just going to take over. We, we, got, we got a message that people need to hear. They just don't know they need to hear it, but they need to hear it. There's a message on our lips that is important for the world. And so all these, I can't mention all of them, but all these works, they're, 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 there's people that are going to come and thank you because of you I heard the gospel. So don't look at it like, well, why are we always on another project? Why are we always doing this? Why are we always doing that? Don't look at that small-mindedness. Don't look at it like the cost to you. Look at it as the eternal rewards in heaven. Look at how God is organizing this. He's, ma- he's masterfully uh, orchestrating something so we can, not in the flesh, but in the spirit, we can touch the world. Hallelujah. So having said that and knowing that these works are starting and knowing the Filipino couple is being ordained and knowing that we're in three weeks tomorrow going to be getting on a plane that is like a 23-hour flight, you can't go any further around the world before you start coming back. In fact, it's the only place, Rob, that I've ever seen when I travel. Even when I went to Abacon, it wasn't like this. Well, that's far too. But it's the only place where, you, where, where, the air, where, where you're trying to put a flight And there are some flights that go east across the Atlantic, and there are some flights that go west across Canada and across the Pacific to get to the Philippines because it's so far away, you can get there almost the same time going east as you can going west. And so some flights were connecting in Istanbul, Turkey, and other flights were connecting in, you know, in Hong Kong or or Tokyo or whatever. But I mean, it's about as far as you can get before you turn around and come back. Why would God ask us to do that? I don't know anything about the Philippines. I don't even like the Philippines. Well, I do now. I do now. I do now. And this is a part of casting heavenly vision. And I said it before, but I'll say it again because I know people sometimes don't always remember or listen. But when he offered that to me in, in March of last year, he said, I heard the words that you spoke. And he brought back to me the conversation I had with him sitting at the table with those great 
men of God, with Richard Roberts in South Korea. Brother Young E. Cho was at the table beside us. A titan of God. Head of the largest church in the world for decades. There's many that have, and all of his sons were in that room. Most of his sons. And many of them have far exceeded him. Because the guy in India that was sitting at the table has 1.3 million people in his church. At his height, he was only about a million or less, Dr. Young Cho. And the guy sitting beside me there has 150,000 in Ghana. And this person over there has 700,000. And I'm thinking, don't let anybody ask me, Father, what I have. Just don't let anybody ask me. Because we have 412 people. Don't let anybody ask me. It's embarrassing to even say it. But, but I'm not after numbers. I just want to be in the plan of God. Okay? But we're with great men of God. You keep your mouth shut when you have 412 and they have 1.3 million. You just shut up. Don't say nothing. And Richard, Richard knows I know that. Otherwise, he would have said, shut up. But we were talking with um, Dr. Sumrall's uh, nephew, who has the largest church in the Philippines, over 30,000 people. And, so, and, and in that conversation, I saw as wonderful as that flow is. Remember, God is, does different flows. And God said to me, he said, don't ever dishonor another man's work, even in a different denomination. Because the Bible says when it says, uh, just before the gifts are mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about that God is over the operations, Jesus is over the administrations, and the Holy Spirit is over the manifestations of the ministry. But the word operations means flows in the Greek. God, I know it's hard for us to wrap our mind around as faith people, but God has actually authored other flows. Now, everybody needs to come to the fullness of the doctrine of revelation. Now, everybody should believe in healing because Jesus paid for it. So just because a flow doesn't believe in healing, like, for example, some people teach that God heals you if he wants to, like the Baptists. We love them, but that's not the fullness of revelation on that subject. So no matter what flow you're in, he expects you to grow up into the fullness of revelation from the word. But there are different flows. There is the vineyard flow, and then there is the Baptist flow, and then there is the Pentecostal flow, and then there's the word, the word of faithful. Now, really, all of them, Dad Hagen was, a, was the last day prophet, and, and I won't get into it, but I believe like, he, like Jesus told him in person when he called him up on September 2nd, 1950. He said, you're the forerunner to the last day great revival. And, and you know, there was reasons why Dad Hagen's flow was word and spirit, because every other denomination and flow should be word and spirit. God don't care if you wear robes and have stained glass. He wants the word and spirit. God doesn't care as much if you, you know, don't believe in a little of this and don't believe a little bit. He wants the word and the spirit. So that prophet was a forerunner to say the flow in the end times is word and spirit. But there's different time, there's different flows. And we can't, and God said to me, don't ever attack another flow. Don't ever attack another denomination or another minister because you're not them. And I've authored different things in the earth. Why? Because different Flows appeal to different people. And not everybody is going to be in the same flow. Not everybody is going to want the same flow. Are you with me? I'm not trying to dumb it down and compromise doctrine. I'm just simply saying that there's a lot of different people out there. And there's a lot of different ministers and a lot of different denominations. And we can't be so all-inclusive where we are now. We believe what we believe and thank God. And I feel sorry for people that don't have revelation. But at the same time, I never, I don't, I'm not authorized to speak against another minister, another denomination, or another flow. It's not right. It's not right. And God rebuked me a little while ago because I would even sometimes, which I still do, and I get slapped, but I'll say, you know, what's wrong with this Presbyterian church? Because what I'm saying is you're too quiet today. You're too tired today. But what I'm doing is I'm bringing a little bit of 
something negative about that flow. And I don't want to do that even though that flow could grow up in some doctrine. (laughs) I'm not against any flow because God is the author of flows. Can you understand that? But don't leave the flow that he's planted you in or the revelation that he's given you through the word because if you try to go backwards, Jesus told Dad Hagen, it's dangerous to come up to light and turn back. When you have revelation and you turn back, you'll open the door to the devil. Some people, they don't have the revelation, so they haven't necessarily opened it. But if you have it and you reject it, that's dangerous. Very dangerous. But God said to me, I'm, I'm talking to Dr. Summerall's nephew, and God said to me, uh, I'm, I'm putting a whole bunch of information. That all, not all of that happened at the table, but he said to me later, he said, don't ever, don't ever speak against another man and don't ever speak against another flow. Because Dr. Summerall's nephew, I could tell by the, he was sitting beside me. I, we had a long talk. And I was very respectful because that's my, that's my place to be respectful. And he's older than me. And he's Dr. Summerall's nephew. But I could tell that his flow wasn't Dr. Summerall's. He didn't have the spirit of faith that Dr. Summerall had. He didn't believe in the things that Dr. Summerall believed in certain areas. In other areas, he did. And then in talking to the Ramoses who attended his church and got saved in his church and was there for over a decade. They confirmed by living experience that certain of the flow that Dr. Summerall had, they didn't embrace. But that's not, and I'm not knocking that, that's just, that's their thing. But because I'm Dr. Summerall's boy, don't you understand that? I know he was, but I've got his blood in me. I've got a spiritual deposit from him through Dr. Dufresne. And he got a deposit from Smith Wigglesworth. So I'm, I don't I think people realize how important these spiritual trees are. Just as real as DNA is from your DNA into that good looking boy. And he's probably better looking than you, Wayne. But, but that get, the next generation gets better. Do you know what I mean? I mean, your kid's going to be a model. Praise God. By the way, you should have one of those one of these days. Um, it'll all come to pass in Jesus' name. It, he looks at my kids and that's why he said, I don't want it. Too much work, too much effort. Anyway, and he's very busy. We got to cut him slack. But uh, that's just as real as your physical DNA is in him. In the realm of the spirit, there is spiritual DNA. And it's just as real. People don't understand it because they don't believe it. But anointings get transferred down like DNA gets transferred down. And that Wigglesworth wept with tears over Sumrall. And he wept with tears over doctor. And doctor wept with tears over me. And the first day I was with doctor in that little wretched uh, uh, German restaurant where they served me dark black buns with the size salt, the size of VW bugs on it. And I was so dry and I could barely swallow because they didn't give me water and I'm eating this bun and it's got salt in my mouth. Ah, ah. And doctor's sitting beside me and I'm so embarrassed because I can't swallow. And he puts his arm around me and he says to Pastor Lekitic and Pastor Siegel, because they both pastored there at that time, he said, this is my son. Now you better treat him right or you'll hear something from me. That was the first day that I joined him. And as I'm sitting there, I heard the voice, one of the loudest times I've ever heard God speak to me. He said, do you remember you asked me in the last three months of Bible school to set it up for Dr. Sumrall to impart to you? I said, yes. Do you remember you were upset because he died two weeks before he was supposed to lay hands on you? And I said, how dare he? You're going to die, at least pray for me first. And God said to me, I heard those words. And he said, you will get the same impartation as though he laid hands on you himself because he he passed that to Dr. Dufresne. And Dr. Dufresne is imparting it to you. Stay as close as you can to Dr. Dufresne to get all that you can from him, from Dad Hagen, who was Dr. Dufresne's spiritual father, from Sumrall, who was also his father, and from Wigglesworth. Stay as close as you can. 
And every time I was with Dr. every single time I was with Dr. Ray, he usually did it in public, in the airport. He rarely did it privately, and I don't know why. Maybe he just, I don't know. But he'd wait till people were around, and he'd say, come here. And he'd grab me, and he'd scream at the top of his lungs, be blessed, be blessed. Everybody's turning and looking, and I just, I just bow my head, be blessed, be blessed, be blessed. And you better believe it. And he'd throw me off. And he'd go off to his plane, and everybody's staring at me, and hello, what about you? And I get it, and I, and I get, and I walk away. Every time, but every time he said that, something came out of him into me. Something came out of him. Every time he laid hands on me, every time he saw me, whether that or other ways, something came into me. So I, I can't express it to you. It breathes in me. That's why I am the way I am is because that's the way Wigglesworth was. And that's, that's why there's that aggression and gruffness. It's not me. That's not really my personality, believe it or not. I'm actually quite of a calm person to people that know me privately. I am. I can be a little bit ornery with the staff, so shut up, Taylor, but, 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 I, but I am a very calm, gentle person most of the time. But boy, that anointing, that heritage come on me, and it turns me like Saul was turned into another man. It turns me into something that, that I'm not normally. Amen. And so God said to him, that's why I'm saying there's a spiritual DNA from Dr. Summerall. I want his flow yes. because God put it in me. So when I'm talking to the nephew and I'm honoring the flow, but I'm seeing it is vastly different to the flow that I'm imparted for. Don't speak against it, but recognize there's a difference. And my heart cried to God internally, silently. I couldn't say anything verbally because all these great men are there and I'm nothing. But I cried and I said, Father, Dr. Sumrall deserves his flow to be in that nation. He lived and sweat and bled for 10 years in that nation and he deserves a heritage of his flow. Bloodlines naturally don't always equate to bloodlines spiritually. Are you listening to me? Physical sons don't always carry the same spirit that spiritual sons do. They should, but they don't. Always. And in March of this last year, that was in November 19, and in March of 2021, God spoke to me. And he said, do you remember the words? And, he, and I played it all back in my mind. I said, yes. He said, I heard your words. And he said, you are right Dr. Sumrall deserves his flow and his spiritual DNA in that nation. Do not ever speak a word against the other flows for I have authored them. But there is a flow for him in that, from him in that nation. And he said, I'm offering you a measure of that anointing. He didn't say all of it. He didn't say what the percentage was. He said, I'm offering you a measure. He said, if you will receive that measure you will have a great work that will touch the entire country of the Philippines because that is what his work was going to do. And do you know why one of the reasons he had to leave? Do you know, people don't know this. Do you know why God told him to leave? The primary reason, there was other reasons, but one of the main biggest reasons is because the people loved him so intensely that they were almost looking to him more than God. When he was at the airport, and, they, and thousands of people gathered on the tarmac to say goodbye to him. And he walked across the tarmac and got on the plane. And the pilot couldn't take off because the wailing of the people was so loud. The people were literally almost screaming in grief that Dr. Sumrall was leaving. And the, they had to actually stop the plane until the people calmed down. Because they didn't know if they were going to rush the plane. And try to physically take him off. 
And, you know, like in those countries, it's not like here where you go down the little tunnel way. It's on the tarmac. If they rush the barricades, you know, they can't take off, they'll run over people. So they had to stop, the, all the air traffic had to stop until the people stopped wailing for Dr. Sumrall. Do you understand? One of the reasons God took him is because the people were looking so to him, they loved him so intensely that you got to be careful because you can almost step over into a person worship instead of a focus on God. And he knew that. And so he said, Lord, uh, one of the reasons I have to go because the people are getting their eyes too much on me and I need them to keep their eyes on you. You see, a cult leader loves that. But a true man of God hates that. We don't want people looking at us. We, love, we appreciate their honor for the office and blah, blah, blah. But the, the focus is Jesus. What I'm trying to say to you is that his work was not completed in that nation because of that and other reasons. And his work was to be a national work to touch every square inch of that country. There are over 7,000 islands in the Philippines. Not all are inhabited. There's five or six main ones, but there's a lot of people there. And his work was to have a national influence, but it was cut short for various reasons. And God said that work must continue. And the spiritual DNA I put in you, I'm offering you a measure of that anointing if you will receive it. And if you will receive it, I want you to go there and I want you to do a work. And listen to me now, I've never said this publicly, but God told me so. I'm going to say it to you because now is the time to say it. I've waited since last March. I haven't said it. But he said it will be the largest and the greatest work under the field ministry arsenal. It will far exceed Canada. It will exceed Africa. It will exceed every other country, what I do in the Philippines. And he looked, listen to me. He said, and it's not because of you. It's because of Dr. Sumrall. Amen. I don't take credit. We're just like a delivery boy. He was looking for a carrier of that DNA. And for whatever reason, God said, I'm going to let you have a part of it. Not all of it, but a part of it. I don't know how, what size of it, but he said, it's going to be the largest work under the field ministry arsenal. And not because my anointing, but because of Dr. Sumrall's anointing. See, my anointing is flowing into these other works and it will be blessing and a large and great, but my anointing cannot attain to Dr. Sumrall's anointing. He was a titan, I'm not. So with his anointing and that influence, it's going to make the Philippine thing explode, but because of him, not because of me. That's why I take, I'd say very humble in that. And when I talked to the Ramoses and I said, would you come? Because God said, call them. So I called Pastor Nancy first to ask permission because they are her ministers, not mine. She said, I give you permission. And I called them and I said, sir, ma'am, uh, would you like to come with me to pray? And he said, at first, no, no, I can't do that. I said, why? He said, because God has forbidden me to go back to the Philippines. He said, for 30 years since I left and was a sailor with the U.S. Navy and he left the port and came to San Diego port. He said, I've never stepped foot on that soil again. I've wanted to. I've had big church offers to pastor thousands of people. I've had money thrown at me. But he said, every time God says, you're not permitted. You're not called to that nation. You're called here. If you go, you'll get an appetite for something you shouldn't. And it will pull you off the plan of God. He said, I've never been back in 30 years. And he said, so God won't let me. I said, would you just pray? because I know God's voice. And he said, you're to come. So he prayed, he called me back and he said, God spoke to me. He said, I can't believe this. He said, this is the first time in 30 years. He said, God told me, go with Pastor Craig. Help Pastor Craig. Pray with Pastor Craig for the work of the Philippines is great. It's Dr. Sumrall's anointing. And he looked at me when he saw me in person the next time. He said, looked at me square in the eyes with tears in his eyes. He said, I want you to know something. I come to help you. This is not my work. I have no appetite for that nation. 
I am helping you because of Dr. Sumrall. And remember, Dr. Sumrall, he got saved under Dr. Sumrall's ministry through the nephew. You couldn't make this stuff up. You couldn't make it up. I'm telling you, it's astonishing. And then from the time that church started, the nephew took over the church. But when, that, when he took over, 40 years was 2020 when the mantle came. And the Lord said to me in the mantle year, he said, it has been a generation where Dr. Sumrall's flow has not been there fully. And now it is time for another generation. And that came when the mantle came, that apostolic mantle. And then I said, well, Lord, when do we go? When do we go? I don't want to just, this is too important to miss it. And he said, 2024. I said, 2024 is a long way away. Why wouldn't we do it in 2022 or 2023? The, 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 the couples are ready. Why wouldn't we do it? And he said to me, look when Dr. I mean, everything is connected. Everything, even in the timing, is, he's bringing it back to Dr. Summer. Why? Because it's Dr. Summer's anointing. He said, look when Dr. Sumrall landed. And I looked, I didn't even know when. He landed in, 19, in 1954. And God said to me, 70 years is the, is, the, is the symbolic thing of completion. He said, he came in 54, and I do not want, it's a, it's a season of completion. You are not permitted to plant that church until 2024, because at the 70-year marker, a new thing is about to birth. Every step that we've done has been supernatural in this. I'm casting heavenly vision so you can understand how serious this is and how important this is. And I'm not trying to diminish any of the other works. I'm simply saying this is Dr. I really could say it this way. This is Dr. Sumrall's work. This is Dr. It's not my, I'm, the, I'm the steward of it, but this is Dr. Sumrall's work. The other works are like my works. I authored them from God, but this is a Dr. Sumrall's authorization that, that, that I'm stewarding. And that's why it's so, it's a different category with God. And so this couple, they, have a, they don't know what's coming. But I just know that God assigned the Henrys. There's, there's a, they've been, they've, in secret, they've been prepared for years. And we are so excited about what's coming. And, and when I say that, I mean the glory center in this church, there's a connector to that. Oh, should I say it, Lord? It's 1131. I wasn't going to say this until later in the year, but I feel prompted to say it now. The Lord said to me, just as every minister has an assignment and your assignment is Toronto, he said, your assignment is also other flag works, but he said, I'm going to train you. I said, train me? I've already been trained. I've been doing this for 30 years. He said, there's a lot you don't know. That, that's, you have to receive that humbly. But all of us is a lot we don't know. I think there's more I don't know than I ever would know. And he said, I'm going to train you, son. I said, for what? He said, for the Jerusalem years of revival in Toronto. He said, there's things that you don't know how to handle, especially when it comes to the demonic. He said, you've cast out devils, but you don't know fully where you're going with this Toronto thing. You're going to, be, you're going to have to be proficient at certain things. And you're only a novice at certain things. That's what he said to me. He said, I'm going to train you in the Hebron years for the glory that's going to be outpoured in the Jerusalem years, which starts 2027 and on. And I said, okay. I said, how are you going to train me? I had no idea what he meant. And he said, I'm sending you to the Philippines. Yeah. What? Yeah. I don't even like the Philippines in terms of natural things. You know, it's hot. They've got weird food. It's poor. But there's a love of God in my heart for it. But in my natural mind, I would prefer Canada. Do you understand? And I said, what do you mean? And he said, he said, don't say to the congregation until I tell you, but I just heard him say, tell it now, because you're talking about this, tell it now. And he said, in 2024, when that couple, well, at that point he said couples, but when that couple go and they plant that church and they buy that land and they settle down, 
He said, starting that year, your training begins for the glory that will be poured out in the Jerusalem years. I said, well, what about the other years? He said, the other years I told you are years of prayer. 21, 22, 23 are years of death years. They're years to pray. They're years to die to the flesh. 24 is a year of pouring out. Remember the, the vineyard parallel? Three years, you can't, it's death years. You can't eat the fruit of the tree. This is, this is law of the, of the Israelites. The fourth year is a tithe year. You, you can take it, but you can't have it. You have, to, you have to sow it. You have to yield to God. And then the fifth year of the vineyard, you get to eat of the fruit. And then the increase comes. He said the first three years, 2020 was the, in, was the year we got the mantle. So the, the clock doesn't start in this parallel till 21. He said 21, 22, 23 are death years. Like the fruit had to die. Why did the fruit have to die? Naturally, God was very smart. He let the fruit die to fertilize the soil so that the soil would be strong and rich to sustain the harvest. He said there's a fertilization that you need in your life that you don't have because you're too carnal. So they're death years, which means more prayer and death to the flesh and getting certain things under control, including natural things, physical things, weight things, you know, hobbies, distractions, organizing staff. There's a lot of things that I'm in a, in a season of preparation and a lot of praying. Then he said, now the 24 year is a year where you're going to pour out. It's a tithe. It's a giving of yourself. And 25, there's going to be the beginnings of increase. And he said, so in the Philippines, it's the same thing. I'm not permitting any of you to go, not because of the 70 years of summer only, but because these years are praying years. They're fertilizing years. They're preparation years. He said, but in 24, there is a pouring out. There's a sacrifice of the, the tithe I give you. He said, I want them to sacrifice and move. And he said, and you, because of Dr. Summers anointing, have a sacrifice for that nation too. I said, what? He said, starting in 24. For three months of the year, you're going to live in the Philippines. That's what he told me. He said, I said, live in the Philippines? He said, that's why I've raised up your wife. Do you not realize, do you not remember what I told you on the 40-day fast? A new anointing came on her and you saw it when she was preaching on the screen. And he said, that was a taste of what was to come. It wasn't for her to step into it fully at that moment, but he was giving an hors d'oeuvre of what was to come. He said, what I showed you in the fast in 2020 was going to, is going to start happening in 2024 in her life. And he said, you're not going for more than one month. And listen how practical God is. He said, you cannot be away from your wife for too long. Remember the Bible says, unless you're fasting, you don't, don't separate sexually from each other because the devil will come in with some kind of plan. And you don't think, well, I'm above that. That's why people fail. He said, I don't want you away from your wife for too long for those reasons. Because he's practical. So he said, you're going for 30 days at a time. He gave me the whole plan. He said, you're going for 30 days at a time. The first 10 days, you're going to be alone. Then she's going to fly and join you for 10 days. And she's going to preach and minister herself. Then she's going to fly back. You're going to stay 10 more days in your And then you're going to fly back to Canada. And he said, it's going to be no more than 10 days at a time away from your wife. And he said, you're going to do that three times a year unless I tell you differently. Because, and he said, when you're there for that 30 days, especially when your wife is not present with you for that 20 days, three weeks, he said, I'm going to send you into rural areas where they've never even heard the gospel preached ever. He said, what happened in India is going to happen again. When I went into those places, they'd never seen a white person before. They would come and touch my skin. They'd never seen, I was the first white person ever in those areas in the history of that nation. And that's when the malaria outbreak and entire villages got born again. Entire villages got saved. He said, you thought those days were over. And I did. Because I was sleeping on wood. It was 130 degrees Fahrenheit. 
I mean, there was no food. I would have a little bowl of rice. That's all I had for the whole day. That's why I dropped. When I came home, I was 119 pounds. Maybe I need to get back to those days. <laughs> Maybe that's one of the reasons God's doing this. Oh God, thank you for helping me. But he said those rural places, those extreme conditions where you, where you literally put your life at risk. He said, they're coming back, but they're going to be in the Philippines this time. And he said, I'm going to train you in the cities and in the rurals, both. So I don't know what he means by that, but we'll see. He said, I'm going to train you in casting out devils. I'm going to train you in the glory. I'm going to train you far away from prying eyes. I'm going to train you in places where nobody watches you but me. And I'm going to train you and what you learn. He said, you're going to be trained for four years, 24, 25, 26, and 27. He said, every year you're going to go for three months. And he said, I'm going to put a deposit in you in that land for Canada. And he said, when you come back after that four years of training, and, the, and that's, when the, that's when the Jerusalem years begin. In mid-27, we're going to be in our new building. We're going to see the last outpouring of God before the rapture. He said, when that time comes, what you need for this city, the darkened Toronto, I'm going to have put in you in that land because you need to see things that you can't see. There's certain trainings I can't have in Canada. It's got to be in other places because I just don't have access. I don't have accessibility to certain situations and environments. But in that country, you have access to virtually every form of darkness that exists. And he said, I'm going to train you. Oh, wait, because they don't have rules like Canada where they put you in prison. Yeah. Yeah. They don't have rules about transgender and homo. They don't have anything. It's Wild West out there. I can just turn loose, brother. I can just turn loose. And he said, I'm going to train you. I wasn't going to plan on saying this today, but I felt the Lord say, say it. He said, I'm going to train you for four years. And when they come back, you're going to be a different man. And you're going to be ready for the outpouring in Toronto. Because the outpouring requires more than you have currently. Are you listening to me? I'm casting heavenly vision to let you know there are incredibly great days ahead. And for some reason, the Philippines is connected to our revival here because that summer anointing is going to operate there. And I need to be under that kind of flow so that I can bring that back so that when we're ready for this explosion in Toronto, that we are fearless lions. In the face of politicians, in the face of rules and regulations, and I'm not a rule breaker, but if they try to block the glory of God, they'll die. It's as simple as that. When that king mocked God, the angel of the Lord smote him. And I'm telling you, the days of judgment are coming back to the church. And the only reason they're not here is because we're too carnal. We don't occupy a place of the spirit. We haven't paid a price and the glory hasn't fallen. But when the glory comes and the price is paid and, and what where we're supposed to be in the spirit, we are. Even politicians will not touch us. Government officials will fear because the church has been a joke. It has been a punchline for, for decades. The day's coming, Dan, before Jesus returns, the church is going to be feared again. And I don't mean feared in a bad way. I mean a holy, a holy reverence for the glory of God. And these people in Toronto, they mock God, but they haven't seen him yet. They don't know what we know. God is going to come in great mercy to harvest them. And if they try to stop it, they'll die young. I'm telling you, it's not me that wants him to. God won't let this be sidetracked because of some evil person with evil plans. He never did that in the book of Acts. He made sure the plan was fulfilled, even if people had to be removed. And God will always try to remove people in mercy before, before they die. 
But God will do whatever he has to do to make sure his plan comes out the way he wants it. He's just looking for people that will be clean and that will be holy and that will pray and that will pay the price and that will occupy a place of the Spirit. And listen, be bold. Because they marveled at Peter and John because they saw the boldness and they knew he had been with Jesus. Which means they said, this bold guy had to have been with that bold guy because that bold Jesus was the boldest we've ever seen. And the telltale sign wasn't the message, it was boldness. And God said to me, I'm sending you to the Philippines because a new measure of boldness is going to come into you. And I said, but Lord, people say that I'm pretty bold now. He said, son, you have no idea what boldness is. You have no idea what it's about. You're nothing compared to what you're going to be. I said, what? I don't want to get arrested with the way I am now. What, are you going to send me forever to the penitentiary? I don't know what he's talking about, but he said, you don't know anything about boldness. What you're going to be at the end of 2027 is going to be a totally different animal than what you are now. But I can't get it into you in Canada. i got to get it into you under Dr. Sumrose flow in that nation. I wasn't planning on saying all of this, but I'm telling you, this is heavy stuff. This is, this is heavenly vision that I'm casting. So you need to pray. See, everything is connected. God is the master orchestrator. He knows what we need in Canada. He knows what they need there. He knows what is required for Canada. He knows what seasons we're in. He's got the whole thing planned, and I'm shocked that he's showing me as much as he is now. And I said, why are you telling me so much? Because he said, first of all, you can handle it. He said, half the time I couldn't tell you because you doubt. But now you've got to the place where I can trust you that you'll believe me. And he said, secondly, and more importantly, is it takes time to pray this out. I can't tell you a year before, it's gonna take some years to pray this out. So I want you to start praying and birthing now in these, in these 21, 22, and 23 praying years, death years. You've gotta pray out the plan for the Glory Center and for the revival in Toronto and for the Philippines and for Africa and for Dominica and for the other parts of Canada and for the North Territories and for the US in Wilmington. Oh my God. And I don't know what he's doing in Hawaii, but there's something there, so whatever that is. And he just talked to me this week and he said, there's something I have for promise of life in Brazil. I said, don't talk to me about nothing more, Father. I can't handle nothing more. He, he spoke to me. He said, you go this year and you preach in that nation and I will reveal to you the plan for Brazil. I said, Lord, I can't handle this. It's too much for me. He said, don't tell me it's too much for you. It wasn't too much for Dr. Sumrall. And if you listen to Dr. Dufresne talk about Dr. Sumrall, he would say to Dr. Sumrall, Dr. Sumrall, I can't, how do you do this? He worked, he was going constantly. And he said, people, Dr. Dufresne told me, he said people that were 22 years old could not keep up with Dr. Sumrall in his 70s. He would preach, he'd get on the plane, he'd go preach again, he'd get on the plane, he'd go do television, get on the plane, he'd go do this. And they would just drop in exhaustion and he just, and when they said, Dr. Sumrall, how do you do you're full of devils if you ask me that. There's a plan to do. There's an assignment to do. And God's life is in me. Let's go. See, he was a titan that we don't know anything about because he's dead. And Dr. Summer and Dr. Dufresne is dead. And these men are looking down from, their, from, that, from that bandstand in heaven and they're saying, we imparted to you. We gave you something by the Holy Ghost. What are you doing with it? Why are you so tired all the time? There's an assignment. Work. Run and do not grow weary. Amen. Those that wait upon the Lord will run and not grow weary. 
Dr. Sumrall ran and he did not grow weary. So I'm trying to find the balance. How do you do it? You spend more time in prayer. The more time you wait on God, the more you can run and not grow weary. My God, there's a lot coming. I'm casting heavenly vision. I know some of you can't handle it. I know some of you looking at me like I've got seven heads and 10 horns like the beast in the, in the book of Revelations. But I'm, I don't. I'm just trying to communicate what God has shown me because we have to pray for this. That's why I'm telling you because we have to pray for this. You have to pray in tongues. You don't know how to pray in English. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Father, concerning the mystery of this training season that's coming in 24 for pastor, I pray it out in tongues. Father, training his training there to bring boldness and glory back here for our flow, I pray it out in tongues. Father, regarding the money, regarding the missionaries, regarding the Bible school, regarding Liberia, I pray it out in tongues. I need your help. I can't do this alone. I, I, I'm not designed to do it by myself. I need the congregation. The apostolic anointing is on you. Whether you realize it or not, you are a sender and you are a goer. And it starts with being a prayer. And you will come, many of you will come. Many of you will come to all these countries. And you'll see the glory of God flow through you. And you'll see people, healings, cancers wither under your hands. And demons come out with crying shrieks. You'll see it and you'll be amazed. But it's more than that. It's about praying and sending. That's why when we say we need FMI Go Partners, because this is part of the deal. That's why I say that it's because the vision is great. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Can, can I, I got 14 minutes. I'm running on time. I know we got ordination, but I told you, you need to leave, you can. But I'm going to be done at 12 sharp, and then we're going to do ordination, and then we're going to close. But I, I said to the Lord, having said all of that, can you understand what's bubbling in me now? So I had to paint the picture. That was the introduction. Now, I've got a 14-minute sermon. So I said to the Lord, after all of this stuff that now you know, but I've known for a while now, I said, Lord, I'm going to be real honest with you. How do we work this so that our ministry in Liberia and our ministry in the Philippines and Dominique and Inverness and all these places, how do we work this so that we're not like all the other ministries, all the other missionary organizations, and there's hundreds of them, that go into these lands and have very minimal impact. Most missionary organizations, if you look, they don't have national, national revivals. None of them do. They have very minimal impact. And the Lord said something to me, and, he, and I, I really sought him about it, and he began to talk to me. And he said, prayer will cause the water to have inland impact. That's how he phrased it. And not beach impact only. And I saw into the spirit realm in a mini vision. And I saw a tsunami come. Now I've seen that movie about the tsunami that came on December 24th and hit the, hit the Indonesia and Thailand and all that. I saw a movie made about that. And it's astonishing. You just see that just a swell of water. I mean, it's whatever it is. It's not like a tidal wave that's 100 feet high. It was maybe 10, 15 feet high. But I mean, it's just... It just, it, just, it just swallows everything. It knocks buildings down. It just, and it goes, it goes kilometers inland. And I saw in the spirit a tsunami. And I, it applies to all the works, including Canada, but I saw it in the Philippines because I was praying about the Philippines. That's why he showed me, but it doesn't only apply there. And I saw the tsunami come. And I saw, at first the picture was a, a wave, a big wave, and it hit the thing like you know what a wave does, and it went up the beach and it receded. And the Lord said, that's what most ministries have. They have beach impact. 
And then I the picture changed and I saw the tsunami like I saw in that movie. So I know what it looks like based on what Hollywood has recreated. And it was, it's astonishing the power of that thing. That's why it killed like 200,000 people. I mean, it's astonishing. That's probably the most devastating of anything. It kills more people than earthquakes, than tornadoes, than hurricanes. Tsunamis are the most deadly force on the planet in terms of death toll numbers. And I saw this, and the spirit, I saw this beach thing, and then I saw this, this, this swell of water, and it went, and it, it enveloped the beach, it enveloped the beach houses, and it went miles inland, miles. It's like as I was watching it, it's like I was caught up almost like in a plane above the country, and I could see at a bird's eye view this thing sweeping into the forested areas. And I said, Lord, what am I seeing? He said, you are seeing the tsunami that has inland impact, not beach impact. And I, and I said, well, that's what I'm asking you. How do we have impact? He said, you must have a tsunami. He said, most ministries have waves. He said, I've called you to have a tsunami. I said, how do I get a tsunami? He said, how does a tsunami? God sometimes talks to me very practically. Other times he doesn't. But he said, how is a tsunami formed, son? I didn't know, so I had to research it. So I looked that tsunami that happened there on December 24th. There was an underwater earthquake in the middle of the ocean. And the, and the land on the, the, the bed of the ocean went up over 20 feet instantaneously. 20 feet is higher than this roof. It went literally like an earthquake went boop. And the force of the pressure of all that land moving caused the water to swell. And that thing started a, a movement. And when it hit the hit the land, it destroyed everything for miles. And I said, Lord, now I know how that happened. And he said, son, that's called a breach. There was a breach. There is a, there is a, there is a world underneath the bed of the ocean that you can't see. It's called the earth's crust. And then there's the world that you see. He said, the world that you couldn't see breached upon the world that you could see. And he said, the result was a mammoth power that killed over a quarter million people. He said, in the realm of the spirit, it is the same thing for ministry. There must be a breach from the realm you cannot see upon the breach upon the realm that you can see in order for there to be a massive movement of power, glory, signs, and wonders to sweep not only a beach, but to go even into the rural areas into the far reaches of that nation. And if you'll do that, you'll have inland impact. And if you don't have a breach, you'll have wave impact, beach impact. I said, how do I get a breach? I've waited for months to share this with the congregation and I've been restrained until today. But he said, you preach vision and you preach about the Philippines, you preach about Dr. Sumrall. I wasn't gonna tell you about the training season, but he said, add that in. And he said, now you talk to them about the breach. I'm casting vision. He said to me, you want to be like everyone else or you want real power? I said, I want real power. He said, if you want real power, you don't know what you're asking for because it's a heavy price. That's why Elisha said, I want a double portion. He said, you've asked a hard thing. Doesn't come cheap, doesn't come easy. And don't come quick. It takes, a, there's a price to pay. He said, do you really want that inland impact? Because if you do, it's going to pay a price. 
I said, tell me, Lord, what is it? He said, a breach is required. What is in the unseen realm has to breach upon the seen realm. He said, what I mean, son, is you have to get in the spirit in prayer. Not just praying, but getting in the spirit. And you have to pray and seek me until that realm of the spirit that you're in breaches upon this realm that you see. And when that, when that thing is burst from the spirit realm into the natural realm, there will be a force of glory and power that you cannot imagine. And it will go right into the far reaches of that nation and of the African nation and of all the different nations and of the Canadian nation. It's not just one country. It's, it's all of this. And I said, he said, it's going to take, son, a consecrated lifestyle of prayer and fasting and not going into a prayer closet, but going into a birthing closet. And then he showed me the picture, because he always gives me scripture, of Elijah on the top of Mount Carmel, which I've read you many times, with his face between his knees. Why? He's in a birthing position, and he is birthing and groaning, and, and he is doing the spiritual action of changing. What did he do? He was creating, there was something in the spiritual realm that breached upon the natural realm. Can you see it? I can't see it, because it hadn't, the power hadn't pushed that thing up yet. Hey, can you see it? I can't see it, sir. He says, can you see it? I can't see it, sir. Number four, can you see it? I can't see it. He's birthing. He said, there's got to be, this thing has to pop one of the, it has to pop. There has to be a breach. What I'm praying has to be seen. What I'm praying that you can't see in that room has to come into what you can see. Can you see it? Number five, I can't see it, sir. Can you see it? I can't see it, sir. Another seventh time, can you see it? I see something, but so tiny. It's done. That's faith. Why could he act that way with a tiny cloud this big? Because he'd been birthing something. And he thought six times earlier that enough had been done to cause that land to go like this. To breach that power in that realm into this realm. But every time he thought, Reverend Greg, it was enough, it wasn't. And when I, the Lord said to me, when you pray, you're going to think it's enough, but it's not. And when you pray and you give yourself to it, you're going to think it's enough. And you're going to say, God, this must be enough. And it's not going to be enough. He said, get used to disappointment from that perspective. It's not enough when you think it's enough. He said, but when I tell you it's enough, something in that realm has moved and it has breached onto this realm. And it might look small at the beginning. But in a matter of minutes, the clouds were black and the rain came. He said, that's the tsunami. That's symbolic of the tsunami. He said, when you go to these places and you're praying and, that, and, and I tell you, finally, it's enough. It's enough. You might still see things that look small to the natural. But in a minute, just give it a minute, son. That tsunami is going to blast through that whole place. He said, but it's going to take a price of prayer that you are not familiar with paying. Me, Jenny, he's talking to me. So he said, you know, I said, okay, I'm, I'm closing. I said, okay, Lord. Well, I mean, see, that's, that's why a lot of ministers don't choose the tsunami. It's too hard. We just have a few churches and have an orphanage and whatever. Maybe get 1,000, 10,000, 20,000 people saved. That's beach impact. That doesn't affect a nation. The nation is millions. Dr. Sumrall's anointing was strong enough to affect a nation. But it was cut short for various reasons. And... Me and I'm sure many others are going to pick up that mantle. Yeah. Amen. We already have. Hallelujah. 
that apostolic mantle. And we're going to see it fulfill what God had. But he said, you're not familiar with the price. You've never paid it. That's why most ministers don't, because it's too hard. In the natural, to the flesh, it's too hard. And they think they've done enough. And instead of saying, do you see the cloud? And the guy says, no. And they keep praying. They say, do you see the cloud? And the guy says, no. And they go, I can't do this. It's too much. And they go about their day. But he wants us to stay with our head between our knees until we see the cloud. And he said, it's gonna, that's why I'm telling you early. So I'm telling you in 2021, 2022, because it's going to take some time to go and check and nothing, check and nothing. But at the right time, it's going to hit. But you've got to get the people to start praying with you now. And then he said, I said, Lord, I'll do it. I don't know how I'll do it. This seems almost too big for me and too much effort and too much sacrifice, but I'll do it. And he said, listen, last statement. He said, you say to me, you'll do it. But he said, you won't under current conditions. And I said, why? What do you mean? See, God helps me a lot. He said, you're too busy. He said, your current conditions are too busy. He said, you have to decide. Is all the counseling as important as that birthing closet? Is all the hobbies as important as that birthing closet? Is all the extras as important as that birthing closet? Because you have to have a balance as a father and as a, as a husband. You have to have a balance as a pastor, because I'm still a pastor. You've you got to have staff meetings. You've got to counsel people. You gotta, but he said, you are way too busy. Under current conditions, you will not pay the price. He said, so I need you to change your schedule. If, you, if there's any hope of having a tsunami, or you can just be like everybody else and have, and have waves. But if you want a tsunami, it's going to take a pay a price. And, and you are way too busy to give the time to this. So start to shave things off your schedule. And that's what I've started to do. I, especially this year, more than even last year, I've started to shave things off. People ask me, nope. People ask me to come to preach in different places of the world, nope. But we have a big crowd, I don't care, nope. God didn't tell me to go, I'm not going. Uh, would you come over here, nope. One guy, would you come, we're gonna go on a holiday, with the, we want you to go, nope. If God tells me to go, I'll go. But in most cases, he's saying, nope, tell them no. Nope. Pastor, I need to meet with you, nope. I need a seventh counseling appointment about the same thing because you won't listen to my sermons? No. Talk to somebody else on staff. I don't mean to come across mean or, or rigid or harsh, but God himself told me, you are way too busy to meet this requirement. You have got to give me your time and your life. And you've got to get into that closet and you've got to pray. And when you feel like it's going to be enough, it's not enough. And when you feel like it's enough, it's not enough. When it's enough, I'll tell you. But if you will give yourself to this over these years of Hebron, are you listening to me? He said, if you will give yourself to this in these years of Hebron, there will be a breach from that realm upon this realm and glory will flow. Oh my God, glory will flow and you will have a tsunami of power. I'm, I'm, I, I don't know if you can feel the weight of what I'm saying, but there's a, there's a heavy anointing of a weightiness of the importance of what I'm saying. I don't just want to be like everybody else with waves. If we're going to do something for Jesus, let's do it. I mean, we could just be like everybody else, but why if he's offering something more? Why are you driving a Chevy? If somebody offered you a Ferrari or a Chevy, what are you going to drive? It's going to cost more in the insurance and more in the gas, but are you willing to pay the price to have a better ride? If God is offering you a tsunami or a wave, why don't you take the better, although it's going to be a heavier price? And most people won't pay it. I know I've been preaching for 30 years. I've seen a lot of the scum of ministry. You, if I told you things I knew, 
You, you'd probably, some people, I'm serious, they would, they would leave, they would backside, they would walk away from church. What the hypocrisy with different pastors stealing money, sleeping with secretaries and then lying about it. If you knew what I knew that I've heard over the years about churches and ministries and names that some of you would know if I said the names. And nobody knows because it's secret. And God has protected those ministries' reputation even though they deserve to be exposed. If you knew, some people would just quit. I've seen the scum, what I call the scum of ministry because of carnal men that don't really want to pay a price. They just want money and they want numbers and they want fame. And they don't really want a revival. Pastor Matthew, I don't care about the numbers, although I'm sure they'll come because with the tsunami numbers come. I don't care about fame and I don't care about money. I care about the revival that God has instituted for this city and for your nation and for your nation. I care about what God wants to do and, and all those other things will come. But remember, you seek first the right motive of the heart must to seek the revival and the plan of God, not the money and the numbers and the fame. That will show up, but, that, but if we're not looking for it, it won't get in us. It won't cause us to stumble in pride because we didn't even look for it anyway. We're just after the plan. But the plan is he's offering us. Do you want a wave or do you want a tsunami? Because 99.9 take the wave because it's easy. And hardly anyone takes a tsunami because it's hard. But Elijah picked the tsunami. And I'm telling you on record today in this heavenly vision part three, I'm picking the tsunami. But it means I have to give myself to something greater and I've got to cut busyness out. So do not be offended with me if certain things take longer when you're trying to make counseling or if pastor or my, my mother or the staff says, listen, I, pastor loves you. He's not hurt. He's not trying to hurt you. But there are 48 appointments lined up. He can only see you three months from now. And if you want it earlier, you need to go to the other very qualified ministries. Ministers that we have that are heavy, that like Reverend Sandra and others that have a lot of counseling experience. Let them help you because this is more than just Toronto and Little Promise of Life, 140 Capital Court, 412 people. This is about the world. This is about a revival that's coming and I've got to give myself to the birthing closet. And I need you to help me. I need you to help me pray. Do you feel that, Jenny? Do you feel the weightiness of that? I didn't plan on saying all of that. I had other notes to talk about, but I'm done. What God wanted to get out, he got, I know it sounds lofty. I know some of you might think, who does he think he is? Believe me, I don't think I'm anybody because I didn't even ask for this. God came to me. He said, I'm offering something to you. Do you want it? And then he's telling me the price that has to be paid for it. And I'm going to do it, my brothers and sisters. If you'd like to walk with me, <laughs> we will go on that ride together. Amen. Praise God. If, you, if this is too heavy for you, just stick around. You'll, you'll grow up. Just stay, just stay where God's planted you because the vision is, is vast <laughs> and it will all come to pass. So Heavenly Father, I praise you today. I said more than I planned, but by the unction of the Spirit, I want the congregation to really hear what you're saying about the greatness of your plan for our future and your plan is our home. We are comfortable in your plan. We agree with your plan. We believe your plan. We will pay the price for your plan. We all must let, get away from busy, busy, busy. And we've got to get into where we need to to pay the price in the spirit so that it would, what is in that realm would breach upon this realm. And we would, see glow, we would see literally heaven come to earth. We've seen snippets of it in the healing revival 
and in other revivals. But Father, we need to see it in our, we need to see the last day revival. We need to prepare for the last day revival. Because it's going to be all the revivals, really, in Branham said, of the entire, since the book of Acts, every revival wrapped up in one, put into one massive bomb, and it's going to be dropped on planet Earth. And Father, I'm going to be right in the middle of it. And I say that humbly, but because I'm staying close with Pastor Nancy, and I'm staying close with Dr. Savell, and I'm staying close with Randy Greer. And Dad Hagen told Randy Greer, if you keep right, you'll be right in the middle of the last day great revival. So as long as I stay close to those three, I'm going to be right in the middle of that last day great revival. I'm going to be smack dab in the middle of it. But I'm paying a price now, Father, for what is coming years in the future. Because it takes pressure to build for that earthquake to happen under the ocean. It takes pressure to that, for that breach to occur. And as I'm praying, the pressure's building. And as I'm praying, the pressure's building. And one day, it's going to be enough and we're going to see glory. And I give you praise. Let the people join with me in this great task and this great assignment. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen and Amen.